Today on the Business Builders Podcast, we're talking with Tony McKay about his perspective on leadership development based on his experience in the Australian Army. Ron talks about an opportunity he lost through neglecting to develop his staff, and I give a personal insight about where I originally learned about leadership. Welcome to the Business Builders Podcast, where each fortnight we bring you insights that will help you succeed in business. We're your hosts. I'm Brenton Gowland. And I'm Ron Tomlin. Now this week, Brenton, we have Tony McKay joining us to speak about leadership development, which is a key practice that will help us grow our businesses. And Tony, of course, is one of the hosts from SA Business Builders, the networking group that uh, we are all a part of and the networking group that's actually inspired this podcast. Now, Tony will be bringing us a perspective on leadership development that comes from a foundation of over 21 years service in the Australian Army. Tony worked in various engineering, logistics, project management, advisory and leadership roles during his time with the Army, which included five years service with the 5th and 7th Battalion Mechanised Infantry. Tony also served three years with the 4th Battalion Commando Unit and has deployed overseas on active service. Tony discharged from the Army as a Warrant Officer Class 1 in 2008 and has since held senior roles within federal government, including as Director of Governance and Innovation and Chief of Staff at the Australian Radiation Protection and Nuclear Safety Agency. Try saying that three times quickly. Oh, mate, it's a, it's a mouthful. But anyway, more recently, Tony has been the business unit leader for the APP Corporation here in Adelaide and is now the Defence Business Development Manager for Ventia, Australia's fourth largest defence contractor. In 2014, Tony started InSync Management Solutions as a means of sharing the knowledge and experience he gained during his military career, blended with his public service and private industry experience. So I'm sure our discussion is going to be jam-packed with insights for you, our listeners. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to hearing what Tony has to say, but let's start with a couple of quick messages from our sponsors. Absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by Nucleus Creative Agency. Now, as we discussed in our last episode, research shows that the average person is bombarded with somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 advertising marketing messages every single week in Australia. And in amongst that sea of clutter, it can be quite difficult to make your brand, your products, your services, and your messages stand out from the pack. As a result, it can take a great deal of effort, time, and money to get people to visit your website, to win a meeting, or to engage engage with your story. So it's critically important when they do arrive at your website or engage with you, that story that you're offering and your brand all work together to connect with your audience and inspire them to start a conversation with you. Because let's face it, you don't often get a second chance. Now the team at Nucleus have a complete suite of integrated agency services to help you tell your story and a strong track record of helping their clients grow their business and achieve their objectives. So if you need help selling your products and services, developing your website, creating engaging video experiences, educating your market or developing your brand, Nucleus can help you. So please visit www.nucleus.com.au to see how they've helped other businesses just like yours. Absolutely. And if you'd like any advice from our team at Nucleus or you want to have a discussion, please just get in touch using the contact form on the Nucleus website. Either myself or one of our team will be more than happy to arrange a meeting. Now, of course, our other sponsor is SA Business Builders. And of course, as I said earlier, SA Business Builders inspired this podcast. Now, SA Business Builders are a social group that facilitate events that encourage the development of high quality relationships between skilled business professionals in order to inspire friendships, opportunities, 
venues, initiatives, and business growth. So each month, SA Business Builders run an event here in Adelaide, South Australia, where we get around 60 to 80 people together for social events, where we hear about relevant business topics that are relevant to us in business today. And if you'd like to attend, please just reach out to either Ron, myself, or in fact, our guest, Tony McKay, because we're all SA Business Builders hosts, and we would love to chat. And you can reach us on LinkedIn or any of the normal channels. Now, if you're listening from a broader interstate and you're coming to South Australia, we'd certainly love to meet with you and get you involved. However, we'd encourage you to check out some of the great networking groups that are in your area. But if you're in South Australia, of course, SA Business Builders is definitely an event you should look at. And interestingly enough, Ron, we've had people contacting us from the podcast asking to come along. That's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, that uh, that uh, stuff out in the media really does work. Well, apparently, people are listening to us. We better be, we better be on point. Well, Lucky we've got Tony here today. I was just going to say, with Tony here, we'll have to stay on point. So with that, it's now time to hear from our guests. Hello, Tony. G'day, Ron. G'day, Brenton. It is fantastic to be here. It's great to have you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the Business Builders podcast, and what a great topic, one that's very dear to my heart. Now, from knowing you, it's clear that you've got a passion for leadership development. So where did that come from? Right, well, I guess uh, it all started back in 1988 when I joined the Army at the uh, ripe old age of 17 and a half. And um, at 17 and a half, I was actually pretty old for a uh, for an apprentice who, who joined the Army. Uh, the majority of the people I I joined with were uh, 15 and nine months old when they signed up and, and had just turned 16 when they actually uh, started uh, as soldiers. So you were the um, wisdom of the group, were you? <laughs> well, it's interesting you should say that because um, I was sort of recognised, I guess, um, to have some leadership potential. And I, it may have been the fact that I was a year and a half older than a lot of the other guys. So, you know, that um, probably led to me maybe displaying a little bit more maturity than some of the other the other guys and uh, being a identified for um, honorary rank as a, uh, what they call an apprentice sergeant major. Um, So uh, with that role, I had responsibility for looking after about 100 apprentices, um, soldiers, and uh, that included, you know, sort of marching them around, looking after their admin and even included discipline. So, you know, at the age of 18, um, I I was, you know, leading parades and uh, marching people around and and looking after their welfare. Well, it sounds like you were destined for leadership, Tony. That's actually really impressive. Got a taste for it. Yeah, good. So you left the military after 21 years. Can you tell us and our listeners what happened after you left and what inspired you to want to share the lessons you've learned in the military with the private sector? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I guess I experienced some, uh, I thought, really good leadership when I was in the military. And when I left, um, I, I saw some um, some gaps in, mm. in capability, in leadership capability. And, uh, and I, I kind of wondered why that was. Um, and it became obvious to me that people hadn't had the same level of training. That, that what you get in the military. Um, so uh, I thought there's, there's an opportunity here to share what I'd learned in the military. And I was in some relatively senior roles straight out of the military. So I, I took it on myself to uh, do a bit of mentoring of some of the junior staff and um, and also of uh, other staff that uh, were other people that I'd met through networking. And I, I did that for quite a while just as a, you know, um, to help people out. And eventually it sort of grew into InSync Management Solutions where I was, uh, you know, doing it for commission as well. So 
So Yeah, and interestingly enough, we spend a lot of time with different people who've been ex-military service people who've actually gone into leadership roles. And there seems to be some sort of, as in teaching other people about leadership, so there seems to be some sort of correlation between what you learn in the military and actually being able to, for certain people, obviously, to be able to then inspire and teach others how to lead. So can you tell us about how that comes about? Yeah, look, the military has a very deliberate approach to training um, and that extends to leadership training. So there are two uh, streams that, that you have within the military. There's the other rank stream and then there's the officer stream. So I went down the other ranks um, stream, but we'll talk about the officer stream because that's probably more relevant. So the, the officers join um, join the military as cadets and go through some training at either ADFA or um, I'm talking Army here. What's ADFA? The Australian Defence Force Academy. Yeah. So our, my, our listeners might not know the acronym, so we'll Good have point. to. <laughs> well, it used you. to be known as Duntroon. No, no, Duntroon is a separate organisation. Yes. Yeah, so the, the Royal Military uh, College Duntroon is the more regimental side. So you can you can go to the Australian Defence Force Academy and do um, you know academic um, degrees and, and the like. And some uh, some do both. So they'll go through ADFA and they'll go through RMC. Others may just go through RMC. Which uh, is? The Royal Military College Duntroon. Got it. Thank you. And uh, and they spend uh, you know a couple of years learning the the theories uh, of leadership and practicing that um, within a safe environment. And then uh, they are commissioned uh, normally as lieutenants, and they go out to units. And then once they are in units, um, normally as a lieutenant, they will be a platoon commander, and they'll have thirty soldiers um, that work for them. Uh, in amongst those thirty soldiers, they'll have a platoon sergeant. Now the platoon sergeant is a, an experienced soldier who has uh, upward of you know ten years years of experience already um, and has been a corporal. So he's been in charge of uh, leading a section of nine people himself. So he's got, you know, actual real world military training the uh, and leadership experience. So one of the key roles of the sergeant is to act as a mentor for the lieutenant. And uh, and there's a very honest, open and frank relationship that they have. And uh, and that's something I don't tend to see so much in, in industry. You don't tend to have people who, who have a, a secondary role to be a, a deliberate mentor for people who are um, in leadership roles. It, it tends to be a bit more accidental than anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really interested to hear you talk about the concept of servant leadership, something that I'm passionate about, um, in in relation to military, because I think most people are uh, have the view that uh, the military is all about command and control. Um, and uh, quite frankly, in a, in a modern society, even in the military, I can't see how that can work. And you've just cleared that up. The military is um, very much a servant leadership organization in fact probably next to the church it's probably um, the leader in that in that space and it's a real I, I have this conversation with people all the time they really don't understand they watch movies mainly American style movies and and they see um, you know full metal jacket and things like that and they think that there's all this yelling and everything and there's an amount of that you know especially during the initial training you've got to break people down and build mm. them up into the into the mold that you want them to uh, to end up in but the reality is is that um, we have a very small military and we can't afford to operate in a war of attrition style where we just yell at people and tell them to go off and do things. We need to have people who can think and contribute to the plan. Um, and uh, and it is very much a servant leadership um, methodology. And to the point where um, one of the things that got me into the leadership um, space was that, you know, coming up and becoming a sergeant and uh, and doing a bit of research and understanding that the um, even the, the word sergeant is derived from the Latin serviens, which means to serve. Interesting. And it's oh, sorry, well, no, it's very interesting because when we talk about you know people going to different places and they're deployed, they talk about their service. That was their service to the country. So it's it's a very interesting.
interesting kind of point you make there because everything we talk about in army is or in defence is they're serving their country. It's absolutely a service, and uh, and that was another point I was going to make. So thank you for uh, <laughs> for, for for bringing that up. It is a service, um, and uh, you know even it's one of the things I felt when I left the military was that there was something missing, and um, uh, and that was that service piece. And it's, I, I I looked for something to do that to allow me to continue to to provide a service, uh, which is why I became a justice of the peace. Yeah, great. So you were talking about that peace was missing. Are you talking about in the corporate world? Um, just generally, I think for me, I, having spent 21 years um, serving, uh, you, you don't stop serving when you finish that job. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think the, the common perspective of business is about service, but the truth of the matter is in a modern uh, in a modern environment with employees who require you to, as a leader, to provide them with guidance and support, it is a service. And I'd, I'd like to think of leaders as the people who are serving their people. Absolutely. Uh, and their, their people are serving the customer. Well, it's interesting when you think about it because it's our job to remove all the blockers for our staff to be able to do their job and serve our clients, yes? So our job as leaders is really to guide them and to create a way for them to effectively work for our clients. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So, Tony, what do you see as a key message for leaders who do want to take on the service role in terms of developing upcoming leaders within their organisation or within their ranks, if you like? Yeah, great question, Ron. The uh, probably um, the, the thing that I would say is that there's the, the Peter's principle, which is that people rise to the level of their incompetence <laughs> effectively. Um, you know, it's it's been a, a, a known thing for a, quite a while, but um, there, there's also this concept of around, um, you know, taking 10,000 hours to become an expert in anything. And one of the things that I find is that um, through the military, we deliberately train leaders from day they join um, so that and mentor them all the way through the journey so that they're effective leaders. And there are only two types of leaders. There are effective leaders and non-effective <laughs> leaders or ineffective leaders. Uh, so the, the point I'm making here is, is that if you want to train people in your organisation to be effective leaders, you've got to start their leadership journey at the start not when they're appointed. What do you mean by at the start? So people tend to start off in a role, a, a technical role, and then over time they're recognised for their, uh, you know, the, the work they do. They may do some more courses, technical courses. They become, you know, really proficient at their job. They rise to a certain level and all of a sudden they're promoted so that they're now looking after people. And that's a very different set of skills from what they've been training in their technical roles. And so that's that rising to the level of their incompetence piece. And when they're at that point, um, looking back at that 10,000 hours to become an expert that I was talking about before, um, it's too late to start. You should have started that that journey, that 10,000 hours. And to put it into perspective, 10,000 hours to become an expert in something is about three hours a day for 10 years, uh, seven days a week. Now, you don't have to do 10,000 hours and become an expert, but you do need to do around, say, 7,000 hours of deliberate training uh, to become proficient. And that's still about two hours a day for 10 years. So if you spend 10 years in in technical roles and then all of a sudden you're recognised to become um, a, a leader of your section or maybe a branch or a division or whatever and then you start your leadership journey, you're 10,000 hours behind where you should be. And this is where um, mentoring is really, really good in, in business because you can't um, you can't afford in business necessarily to do what the military does, which is you know put people through two years of solid training and then have a chaperone to mentor them all the way. But you can start recognising potential leaders early and and, uh, you know, setting up some more 
formal mentoring for those people to help them along the way so that when they do get to that point of um, being in a leadership role, uh, they're not starting from a very low base. They're starting from a level of some you know, experience. Yeah, in, in my experience, and this is a while ago, the in business, leadership is often thought of as an afterthought and it's equated with the disciplines like technical disciplines of management. Mm. And I see the two as quite separate. Management is about managing things and leadership is about managing people. So the stock and trade of a leader is understanding people. And yet very few people, as you quite rightly said, very few people do any development in that area until they're leading people. And it's too late. Absolutely. Okay. So the core of this podcast is really giving insights to business people who are listening. And we know that there's a, a, a number of people who are listening who are in you know, leadership roles within business businesses now and actually are CEOs, et cetera, et cetera. So can you explain to us how the military trains its leaders and how we in business can learn from that style of leadership training? Yeah, look, um, there's the deliberate leadership training. So it's, it's all the normal sort of business um, leadership, uh, I guess, lessons that you would teach anybody uh, around um, style, the principles, development of character, those sorts of things. But then um, around the, the actual experiential learning that goes along with that leadership um, training uh, and, and that, that very um, specific mentoring that, that goes along with it. So um, the I guess the military um, is in a very privileged position in, in its training continuum that it has um, a lot of uh, breadth of um, training scenarios that it can run and it has the time and the money to do it. Uh, probably the, the best thing that business can do is to try to build into um, its own, uh, I guess, career development for people to, to have the opportunity to uh, lead teams, uh, even if they're not in those roles so they can get experience of actually leading people. To both fail and to learn. In a safe environment to fail and to learn, yes. And how do you set up that safe environment if you're running a business yourself? Yeah, look, fantastic question. Can be, um, could be quite challenging if you um, if you wanted to do that on um, any sort of large scale, but you can always scale these things down and, uh, and build it into, um, I guess, chaperoning people with somebody else who's doing a, an actual real project, for example, having somebody to shadow them through that project so that they can actually be, um, I guess, engaged in the in the process and, and pick up um, the skills through experience. So like you were talking about earlier, like an internal mentoring system? If the, if the business allows for it, yes. If not, then um, it's worth looking into some, you know, maybe external mentoring um, as such. Some professional organisations, I know I'm doing it for uh, AIPM, uh, Australian Institute of Project Managers at the moment, um, offer, you know, mentoring programs. Um, I'm sure, Ron, um, you're obviously mentoring a number of people. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I think the other thing too is that any manager, any leader can help their people. Um, we were talking about it before the podcast that you know you, you, you can learn by from watching great leaders. You can also learn from watching lousy leaders because if you reflect on their practice and, and I, I'm a, a great um, believer in the power of reflection mm. and getting people to think about, well, what worked there and what didn't and how can you take that into your practice? I think that's important, but I think every leader has the responsibility to raise the level of their people in terms of their development, leadership development in particular, because really their responsibility is to replace themselves eventually. Yeah, definitely. And, or to uh, move up. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, a personal experience, I um, I lost on a promotion once <laughs> um, on the basis that uh, I was the best man for the job, I thought. Um, but my uh, the person who was making the decision said, Ron, fantastic. You can, you can do the job. You're the best man for the job, but uh, we can't replace what you're doing at the moment. 
because you haven't done anything about developing your people. Mm. So do something about that, and then we'll think about it. That's very interesting. It was a hard lesson to learn, but probably one of the most important lessons of my life. You made yourself indispensable. Yes, I did. Yeah. And, and and anyone who's indispensable can't get out of that. Yes. Yeah. yes. So a good lesson for leaders, develop your people, otherwise you're stuck. Yeah. The other thing uh, that I was going to uh, to raise was uh, that, that side conversation we had earlier, Ron, about um, self-awareness and self-regulation. I think they're uh, they're two very critical aspects to um, to anyone developing into a leader. And um, talking about that whole emotional intelligence piece, um, I mean, in the old days we used to call emotional intelligence something very different. Um, we called it maturity, um, and now we've put some technical labels around it. But effectively, um, that's what it is. It's maturity, and one of the ways that people uh, can guess um, demonstrate maturity is through the um, you know role modelling of other people and um, seeing seeing what it looks like, um, you know what good looks like, and then from from there trying to, uh, to to model that themselves. So that that's another sort of way that people can try to, uh, I guess, it's almost, um, it's like a, a form of uh, mentoring, that, but you do it yourself. You, know, mm. you, you identify someone as a role model and uh, you try to uh, to replicate what they do. Well, I think, uh, Ian, I talked about the importance of what leaders currently can do for their people or should be doing for their people. I think if someone wants to be a leader or wants to have that as a potential for their future, they have a responsibility to start thinking about their own development and that comes with self-reflection self um, uh, uh, regulation as you say and um, being being the type of person who thinks about what did I do today and how could I do it better in terms of my re- relationships with other people now quick question and I think we've talked about this before but can anyone become a leader Tony I, I always say there are no born leaders leaders are shaped by their environment their um, conditioning and the quality of their mentors and the answer I think is um, can anybody become a leader I think the answer is yes does everybody want to be a leader? I, I think the answer is no. And uh, and also, should everybody be a leader? And the answer is probably no. Uh, some people are, um, you know, the, the way they develop, the character that they have, the, the values that they have and so on, um, predispose them, I guess, to being better leaders. So if I'm a young person sitting in a business who's maybe in my 20s and young professional and I've got aspirations of leadership, what should I do? Well, the first thing you should do, I think, is be patient. I think um, there's a, a- Is that a thing? That young people do nowadays. I'm just wondering. Don't show your age. (laughs) That's why I was bringing it up, actually, because there is a, uh, I guess, a um, propensity in people nowadays to to want everything very quickly. And um, leadership, like I said earlier, leadership is, um, in a large way, it's it's to do with your maturity. Mm. And uh, maturity, um, as the word says, takes time. So be patient. Um, Observe um, others. Learn from others, and then repeat. So yeah, you, however, were thrust into leadership at 17 and a half. Didn't get everything right. But you started to it was learn. a huge learning curve. And uh, I had great mentors and I had great training. So while they're being patient, what should they do? Should they go out and look for mentors? Should they get involved in groups where they can actually get some leadership experience? There's got to be ways. Can you even mention the church earlier? And I know from my background, I'm going to reveal something here. I used to be in the church when I was younger, but I, I used to refer to where I went because there was about three or 4,000 people in this church. And I was like, I learned how to run a business by being in that place. Church is a, a great um, sort of organization for teaching leadership, I think. Um, I, I, I look at it from a bottom up and top down approach. I think that the individual's got a responsibility to um, firstly you know, identify if they feel that they want to be a leader at some point in their life. And a lot of young people don't know what they want. But again, with that 10,000 hours to become an expert, um, if you think you want it, um, start looking into it and doing something for yourself. You know, The world won't do it for you. You have to take action. Um, but from a top down perspective, if you're a leader of an organization, um, legacy 
legacy is important and um, replacing yourself is important. So, you know, identifying, having um, an approach that, to identifying potential future leaders and doing something about it is important. So what would that approach be from your experience? Oh, I would absolutely um, make leadership development um, a key aspect to the business rather than career development. Because I, like I said earlier, I think that, you know, we focus a lot on our career wow. uh, as being the technical skills and we forget that it also has to include the leadership skills. And Ron said it perfectly, you know, we manage things and we lead people. Um, but what we tend to do is we train people all about the things and then we throw them, uh, you know, into a situation where they're in charge of people. That's really interesting because we want our staff to take responsibility and, you know, take on roles and own them. So leadership development is a really interesting way to think about that. Absolutely. And, and I think if you ask leaders who are currently running businesses and you said, what's the number one problems you have? They won't talk about revenue or marketing. They'll talk about people. That's yeah, funny. So I just, pe- people problems are the, the problems that, that make organizations come unstuck. I literally just came back from a meeting where I was talking to someone and they were talk, sharing that exact thing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And look, one of the things that, that um, we did when I was in the military, and it was actually run by the, what we call the padres, and padres are effectively priests for anyone who doesn't know, um, they, they would run um, character training. And uh, I, I actually learned a lot from that. Character training all about, you know, um, what are the great character traits that um, that people should try to develop in themselves, you know. Um, and these are things that used to be common, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. It seemed to be a little bit less common nowadays. They, they don't have the same uh, intrinsic value as what they used to have. And they're things like courtesy and uh, responsibility, being on time, you know, all the, the normal things that, that you you can do quite easily. Uh, well, these are the basis, the foundations for being a good leader. Absolutely right. Well, we've got to start wrapping up now, Tony, but one last question. Given that our audience is mostly senior leaders who are already established within their organizations, why is your message so important to them? One word, Ron, legacy. I think uh, leaders need to um, identify uh, potential leaders early and uh, provide them with some deliberate training, but also um, mentor them. Um, they need to start with the end in mind and if they want to uh, make sure that they have uh, leaders who are uh, competent and capable to lead when they're appointed that they have uh, not started their 10,000 hour journey um, at that time. Okay Tony well thank you for your time today. It was insightful and I think a real benefit to both us and our listeners. Mm. So if people want to get in, uh, in touch with you and get some leadership coaching or just make contact what's the best way to reach you? Yeah well they can contact me via my website uh, www.insight insyncms.com.au or uh, email me at info at insyncms.com.au um, or they can contact me through LinkedIn. I'm uh, pretty uh, pretty active on LinkedIn, pretty easy to find. Yes, you are. You're everywhere on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And once again, thank you for your time today. It's been a great discussion. Absolutely. And Tony, that was great. And I've got to admit, I'm sitting here thinking I just want to keep talking about this because some of the things that you've brought out really have kind of dropped little nuggets in my head, particularly around for me where you were talking about rather than doing career training, doing leadership training, because that flips that whole thing on its head. Because we want to develop leaders who can run our businesses to free up the leaders of the business and the management to actually do what they do best. And that is structure a company that's ready for growth or achieving their goals, whatever that might be. But anyway, we need to wrap up now. So look, if you're finding the Business Builders podcast useful, please let us know. We'd love your thoughts. We'd love to know any topics you'd like to talk about. And you can, of course, reach Ron Tomlian or Brenton Gowland on LinkedIn. We are more than happy to talk to you and we'd also love you to give us a review if you're uh, listening to this and you're finding it useful. So either on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. 
And please remember to check out our sponsors, Nucleus at nucleus.com.au. They're experts in helping your business and telling your story so that you can grow. Please check them out at www.nucleus.com.au. And please reach out to us if you'd like to get involved with SA Business Builders. Interestingly enough, we just had someone reach out to us today on LinkedIn, and they are now coming to the next event. So until next time, that is goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And Tony, we will see you at the next SA Business Builders event. Looking forward to it, Brenton. And Ron and our listeners, we look forward to speaking with you again on our next podcast. See you then, Brenton. Bye for now, Ron.